Here's the one-two. This is a, a long shot to left field, and that's going to be a home run for Tyler White. This is another Astros podcast. Tigers down to their final strike. Here's the 2-2 to Iglesias. And that's bounce foul behind home, 2-2 two two still. I'm sure Perez, growing up in Cuba, probably kept an eye on guys like Jose Iglesias. Yeah, I bet you're right. 2-2. Two, two. That's chopped left side coming on Guriel. He's got it. Throws across in time, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros take their second in a row from the Tigers, defeating Detroit by a final of 9-1. Well, the offense broke out. It's been a while for this offense to go clicking like this. But pressure in four different innings where they scored twice, another inning where they scored once, and all told they beat the Tigers 9-1 behind Garrett Cole. Time now rejoined in the Astros' dugout by Tyler White. Entered the game at first base in the seventh inning and hit a two-run home run and is only at bat. That's that's the way you do it. You, you bat once, you make it count, right? Oh, yeah. It's uh, just trying to go up there and have good at-bats. It's, uh, it's it's a little bit different coming off the bench. But, yeah, I just, just try to go up there and have a good at-bat. And, uh, Made a good good swing. Hey, Tyler, be specific. What exactly do you do once you you feel like you may be going into the ball game or you may pinch it? Do you go behind the dugout? Is there an area that takes some, some balls off the tee? What do you do? Yeah, just uh, just try to get your swing right as, as good as you can uh, in the back and uh, stay loose throughout the game. Just, uh, you know, the kind of doing it a lot, know the opportunities that you'll get and uh, when they may come. So you just uh, try to stay loose, try to stay ready, and uh, know know what you're going up against when you get up there. How how much fun is it now? You know, a tough series against Oakland, losing three out of four, and, and playing two really good ball games to, to beat this Tigers team the last two days. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Playing with this team is always a lot of fun. It's a great group of guys. Uh, the, the chemistry is great. And this is always a fun baseball game no matter what. And I think that's, uh, that's huge, and I think that's why uh, we win a lot of games. And, yeah, it's just uh, – Go out, go out and uh, play baseball, and uh, we did what we were uh, what we were supposed to do. Tyler, last thing. I know the All-Star break coming up. You guys have one game left before that, but I know those four days is going to involve a little golf. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm going <laughs> to try to get out. My dad's coming in. I'm sure we'll, nice. uh, we'll get a couple, couple, 18, couple rounds in. <laughs> All right. Hey, Tyler, thanks for joining us, and congratulations. Uh-huh. Thank you. And welcome back. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks joined by Enos Cabell before the Astros take on the Detroit Tigers and wrap up the first half in the all-star break about to come here Enos and uh, Astros with with six players uh, in the all-star game of course the Astros coaching staff will be there along with manager AJ Hinch now you know I was surprised when I looked at your career numbers Enos you had a very good career I was surprised by your numbers I was surprised you had never been an all-star how did that happen were you close any years yeah I was close uh, a few times uh, one year I was I think it was second in the league to Pete Rose and hits and our and uh average and i was hitting about 330 or something like that some ridiculous number and i did make the all-star team so i said we're never going to get anybody there except for Sedano and maybe when ryan came or somebody like that so i just got used to it because we played in the dome for so long and it was so big i wasn't going to hit a lot of home runs but yeah. i got a lot of base hits and we weren't very good uh, when i first came in 75 we couldn't beat anybody mm. And it got worse, and then we finally started to get better. But uh, I just 
realized I said I'm never going to make an all-star team because if I hit 400 then shoot they'd probably trade me <laughs> <laughs> be in the other league by then yeah hey Enos let me ask you about Alex Bregman and the impression you had of him when the Astros drafted him to where he is right now well <clears throat> the kid's a dirt dollar he just likes to get dirty mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't make any mistakes hardly at all you know and and he hits and he's young he loves to play He'll play every day, so we've got four guys probably that play every game. And you really don't need a lot of substitutes. But Alex has gotten really good, and he's, shoot, what is he, 23, 24? 23, yep. And he just keeps getting better. I mean, on-base percentages and stuff are off the wall. And, you know, he's if he ever started out okay the first month, yeah. I mean, he'd probably be MVP. He's probably going to get a lot of votes for MVP because he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't swing at bad pitches, and he's really, really young. I mean, he has a chance to be a heck of a player. And, you know, in that draft, that 2015 draft, Bregman was the second overall pick. He had the fifth overall pick as well. Astros used that on on Kyle Tucker, and we're seeing Kyle Tucker has played a little more than a week now in in the big leagues. And, you know, Steve and I were talking about it earlier, maybe not necessarily seeing the results right now, but we're seeing some good signs of of Tucker swinging at good pitches, having some some good plate appearances. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, you know, they they didn't nickname him Ted for anything. I mean, they named him Ted because he had a heck of a spring training and everything he did was was off the charts. Uh, He's just young. Uh, we've got players that are shoot younger than him that are going to be pretty good. But he's he's just – you have to get used to playing every day in the major leagues because AAA, AA is not the same as the big leagues because the travel's different. You have 40,000 people a game here, and they're screaming and yelling. You can't hear, so you have to get back into yourself and play like that. And it just takes a, a little getting used to. I mean, Bregman struggled. Carlos struggled. Only person didn't struggle was Atuvi. Atuvi's <laughs> probably going to the Hall of Fame sooner yeah. or later. But they're so good. And you'll remember in that draft, I was at the draft. Mm-hmm. So when we got Tucker and then we got Bregman and then and then we we were sitting there and I'm sitting there and I'm with one of the scouts and I says, we're going to get uh, Cameron too. And they're sitting there and he says, how do you know that? I said, nobody has any money. We're the only ones with any money. <laughs> and so I said, he, we drafted him uh-huh. and we gave him, I think, $4 million. So we got three pretty good players oh, right yeah. off the bat in the first round because nobody had any money. Yep. So, you know, Jeff and his people did such a great job. We had the money and we got those, all those players. And we ended up getting Verlander for uh, Cameron. Yep. Enos, you're such a big part of this this front office and what they try to do. And uh, we know there's a lot of analytics involved, but I think they, they lean on you to try to get the baseball side of it and sometimes the truth, uh, which, which I think a lot of people appreciate. What have you learned from the guys that you work with on a daily basis? Well, I was kind of a math major. I love math. And when they came and they started talking about all these things, you're hearing the math says math doesn't lie. You're not going to take a guy that's hit 260 for five years in a row and make him a 320 hitter. It's not possible. He's not going to do that. So you have to understand where the numbers are, and then you have to understand what the timetable is, and then you have to understand when you need to either trade him or you need to give him a long-term contract. What's his actual value? What's his value? The value doesn't change. 
the player, and then you have to see. I would kept trying to get him. I said, you got to understand what the heart is. The numbers are fine. You can dictate the numbers, but you can't dictate the heart and other things that you need to be a baseball player. Mm. And as you notice, our guys out there are baseball players. They understand the numbers. They want to hear the numbers, and then they react. Uh, all of them study this stuff. We don't have any hardly any dummies on our team. So you see guys that know what they're doing, and they go out there and do it. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks joined by Enos Cabell before the Astros wrap up their first half with today's game against the Detroit Tigers. And we were talking last segment about the analytics and the numbers. Now, you played for a guy. You came up with, with Baltimore. You played for Earl Weaver, and mm -hmm. Hall of Fame manager, and a little different what he was doing back then, but he was considered one of the first managers to really kind of look at the numbers and, and try to use those to, to get an advantage. Are there things that you saw Earl Weaver do then that you th you look back at it now and think, man, this guy was ahead of his time? Well, he believed in the three-run homer. Yeah. Uh, he, he did not like the base stealers. He did not like guys hitting for average. He thought it was it was irrelevant. He said, I need three-run homers. If I score three, run, three runs in one swing – with my pitchers mm. and my bullpen, I'm going to win. And that's exactly how he managed. I mean, he, he was probably before his time uh, uh, not as, say, peaceful as uh, A.J. <laughs> and uh, really, he was a red ass. I mean, he wanted to fight everybody. He wanted to fight Palmer. And you, you guys <laughs> probably have talked to Palmer. Palmer is the sweetest thing in the world. And then he won to fight Earl Williams, who was a big cat, black catcher. I said, that ain't going to go well, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and Earl was a little guy, right? Yeah, he was a little tiny guy. He was about five foot four, five foot five. He he used to wear, remember when they used to have the, the shoes with the heels on them? The big, oh, the yeah. big heels? Oh, yeah. Platforms. Oh, we started wearing them as players, and I'm six foot five, so I'm a giant now. Earl comes out one road trip. Earl's got all platform shoes, and we're <laughs> laughing. Everybody's laughing. Made him into a five foot seven manager. <laughs> yeah, <probably>. exactly. <laughs> he was gonna beat somebody up at five seven. Yep. I said, "Ain't happening." Hey, Enos, <laughs> the way the games change, we're seeing a lot of this stuff. Maybe with the three run homer made some sense, but right now it's it's home run or nothing almost. There's more strikeouts than hits. Well, I think it's gonna change. I think it's it's gonna be the home runs and the walks, but it's not gonna be so much with the swing and missing, How the, come? the strikeouts, because the money's gotten crazy. I mean, they're paying guys hitting, uh, what, 210, 220, if they're hitting that, and they've got 250 strikeouts. I said, and they're doing the shifts. Sooner or later, the players are going to have to understand, the hitters are going to have to understand, if I hit this ball through the right side, we score a run. It's only one run, but we score a run. So they're going to have to change. It's, it's not the – say, we, we started the shift, really, because we shifted so much, everybody else had to start shifting. Mm -hmm. And we retired a few players because they would not go against the shift. you got to be smart enough if you want to make money. And the owners and the arbitration people are going to have to understand, this guy just struck out 250 times, and he's got 80 RBIs and 40 home runs. So what did he do all those other at-bats he was yeah. up? Right. He didn't do anything. He was unproductive. Yep. And it slows the game down. I mean, you sit there and the guys are taking two and old, three and old fastballs, and I'm saying then they strike out. And I'm sitting there and said, Jesus, somebody's got to change. Big old gap over there at third through from third to short, and nobody hits it into the gap. Does Mickey Cabrera hit the ball the other way? Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. He drives and running. Does J D Martinez hit the ball the other way? Yes, he does. He drives and runs. 
Altuve does the same thing. So <clears throat> those guys are the good players. Those other players, they couldn't play on my team. I wouldn't have them. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we've seen Kyle Tucker come up. We've seen CNL Perez come up. Perez coming up all the way from Double A. Do you think players now are more prepared coming from the minor leagues or less prepared than they used to be when they first get to the big leagues? It all depends on the organization. Yeah. Because uh, you'll see teams or organizations, and I guess you guys know too, then the fans don't know, some people have one person in analytics or two yeah. and doing the math and stuff. They're getting left behind because it's certain things that you can position or, or do things that makes your team better. If you win five more games a year, usually you're pretty close in the playoffs, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Five games. I mean, look at Oakland. Oakland came in here. They're shifting and they're doing everything. Everybody looked at Oakland saying they're a bad team. Oakland's got a pretty good dang team. Yep. I mean, they can play, and they got a bullpen that shuts you down. If you get to the seventh inning with them, you're going to lose because <laughs> then they're going to hit the boom boom. They're going to go big five. Yeah. And they don't strike out a lot. So – the game has to change, and if you're not innovative on what's going on in the game, you're going to lose. Our team is set up to win for 10, 15 years. I mean, it was tough getting here, and we were it was painful, but you see what happens now with 40,000 people here, what, 3 o'clock in what, Saturday? Right. That didn't happen years ago. No. No. I want to ask you about Yuli Gurriel, who seems more, <laughs> more like a throwback player, guys that you used to play with. Kind of a gap-to-gap hitter. Mistakes go out of the ballpark. What's your impressions of him? He's a professional hitter. Yeah. He makes <laughs> adjustments. He makes adjustments. And remember now, this is only his second year in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he doesn't know anybody. Last year he had a heck of a year. He didn't know the pitchers. You don't see him. He, when he swings, he makes contact. And it's hard contact. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wish we'd have had him like at 22. He'd be a monster. He'd be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, my gosh. But, but he is a professional hitter. They have hitters and they have people that can hit. He is a professional hitter. <laughs> All right, Enos Cabell, always great to talk with you, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. All right, guys. Have a good have a good All-Star. Break. The Houston Astros Radio Network. There's five Hall of Famers here at Minute Maid Park today. Steve Sparks, Robert Ford, and Verlander trying to show all five of them that he may belong in that club. Swing and a miss. That's 14 strikeouts for Verlander. It ties his career high. The Houston Astros. He's not getting older. He's getting better. Radio Network.